Well, it's great to uh, be back in church and uh, to be able to see uh, one, one another's faces, even if it's behind a mask or a visor. It's, uh, it, it's, it's great to be able to worship and to sing God's praises uh, together in celebration of God's love. What a lovely hymns we've had so far uh, this morning. Beautiful, moving, and uh, so in tune with the message that I hope to bring today. In our daily lives, we can feel isolated. But when we come together, we know that we're part of something bigger. We're not alone. We're part of God's family, and we should not neglect meeting together. We're the body of Christ. We're not meant to live in isolation. We meet together to worship the Lord our God, who relates to individuals, to families, to communities, and to the people of the world, to nations. The essence of the Christian faith is that the Lord our God is a personal God, a God who has made himself known, a God who has made us in his own image, able to relate to him because we are spiritual creatures as God himself is spirit. He has reached out to us. We cannot find God by our own cleverness or our holiness, but in God's great graciousness, he has reached out to us. He has found us. And we're invited into a personal relationship with him, an ongoing, rich encounter with the living God. If we think of our gospel reading today, the context of Jesus beginning his ministry in Galilee was not very auspicious. The reading started off saying, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, had just been put in prison. That's the context of it. John had prepared the way for Jesus by warning people to get ready for the coming of God's kingdom. And now Jesus went into Galilee and he was also preaching that God's kingdom was already close by. It was at hand, ready for people to grasp when they, when they were ready for it. It's there, ready. Available to those who respond in repentance and faith. Now we know from John's Gospel uh, that Jesus had already befriended some of the disciples of John the Baptist down by the, the River Jordan, where John had been baptizing. And some of them had traveled uh, back to Galilee with Jesus, and they stopped at Cana in Galilee, and they had seen the miracle of Jesus turning the water into wine at, the, at a wedding. 
and they had believed in him. But as working men, these men, self-employed fishermen, uh, went back to their work. They went back to work in, uh, in the Sea of Galilee. And in today's Gospel reading, we heard how Jesus called four of them not just to believe in him, but to become followers, to become disciples, to travel with Jesus and to learn from him. And these first four were called to follow Jesus. Jesus invited them and says to them, come and prepare yourselves for service in the kingdom of God. I want to say something about uh, the way that when we're reading the Bible, how we should interpret it. And one of the key, uh, keys for interpreting the Bible is that uh, one of the key principles is that we shouldn't interpret one passage in a way that contradicts another passage. Because the Bible is one, it's God's word, it's one, it's the word of one God. Now I've heard this uh, passage which we had read to us this morning uh, interpreted as if uh, Jesus came onto the beach and found four strangers, fishermen, who he didn't know, and by some kind of miracle of, of uh, personal uh, charisma, he said to them, follow me, and they upped and left. But I've tried to set the context for what actually happened in the story, because we're given that information in John's Gospel. And the, the principle is don't make one passage, uh, don't interpret one passage in a way that makes it contradict another one. Again, it says they left their nets and followed Jesus. We shouldn't interpret that as being a requirement for all those who want to follow Christ to abandon their careers and to live by faith. That is not what the passage is saying to us. This is a special calling for these four men, that they should be with Jesus for that time and to learn from him. We also know, which confirms what I'm saying, that after the resurrection, the disciples went back to Galilee and Peter said, I'm going out to fish. The boat was still there, it was still theirs, they left it in the charge of the father of James and John. There was, uh, so we shouldn't over-interpret what we read. We shouldn't say because they, uh, it says they left their nets, or we should all do that. We need to uh, see one scripture in the balance with the others and how they work. Now there are many other people who followed Jesus and came to learn from him. And eventually Jesus chose 12 of them to be sent out as apostles and to go out and to preach the message of the kingdom of heaven and to heal the sick. 
And Jesus gave most of his time to those 12. The crowds came to him, but he dedicated his time to training those 12. And for the, they learned on the job by working with Jesus, by following his example, by listening to him, by asking him questions. And for the first 300 years, while the church was being persecuted by the Roman Empire, the church met in homes or in rented halls, and those small congregations were strong fellowships who knew how to care for one another. Just as I believe that in this congregation, you are committed to caring for one another. And now there is a widespread desire uh, among Christians to recapture the heart and spirit of the early church. I'm going to take this off. Take that off. Much of the training. Uh, a Jewish rabbi like Jesus would give to his disciples would be by example, by living together and asking questions about life and about God's word. St. Paul taught that the whole body of Christ, every one of us is given gifts so that as each part of, it, of the body of Christ as each individual uses their gifts, does their work, the whole body will be built up and become strong and grow to maturity. We're all meant to be involved and using our gifts to build up the body of Christ and to show God's love in the world around us, wherever we are working, wherever we are. Jesus did not just want people to become superficial adherents or believers, but wholehearted disciples who would daily follow him. Now I'm going to ask Divya to come up and to say why, uh, why she feels that uh, being involved in a small group is something important to do. Good morning, church. Um, Peter asked me to share about how uh, cell groups have been a blessing in my life. Um, I've been part of uh, church cell groups uh, from 2014 in Trinity Church when we came here, and before that uh, in Amsterdam in our church there. And even before that in, yeah, student fellowships and uh, young adult cell groups uh, back in India. So. I've literally kind of grown up within small groups and cell groups and fellowships. Um, cell groups have, is, is to me an extension of uh, church life and family, uh, a space where I could just share deeper, have meaningful conversations and um, to ask questions and 
pray together um, and just share life together. Um, and also taking a focused, closer look at the Bible and how faith can actually practically help me in my uh, everyday Christian walk, everyday walk uh, at work, at, in family and uh, yeah, with neighbors. It has helped me in so many of those little ways. Um, I've had moments of great insight uh, during discussions when I received clarity on uh, topics which were very unclear to me. Um, I know there are loads of material available on the internet for us to dig up and read on, um, on faith-related topics, but um, the wealth of real people uh, with real experiences from different uh, cultural backgrounds and spiritual, even generational backgrounds, um, yeah, have brought such rich insight into topics and uh, yeah, in ways I would never have thought of, uh, you know, yeah, when you read an article, you just read something, but then when this group of people come together, there's so much of, uh, yeah, sharing happening, you know, they speak from the experience and you would never have looked at it from that angle. So I've been blessed like in that way as well. Um, yes, yeah, uh, cell groups have also given me opportunities to develop friendships uh, within the cell groups. I've been blessed by them. I've met with uh, friends from cell group outside of the cell group times and we've prayed, shared, um, yeah, just encouraged and been encouraged also. So it's, um, yeah, such a lovely place to really be and form good friendships uh, within, within that little group. Um, uh, yeah, I, when I say that, uh, yeah, I've been part of this triplet group also, which is actually not within my cell group, but then there's this smaller intimate group of uh, three, yeah, for me it was three ladies. So we come together and really share in a deeper way, you know, share our lives, uh, pray together, encourage, and just 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 be there for each other when we really needed to be there for each other. So that triplet group has been an, a big blessing to me as well. Um, yeah, and also to be prayed for, you know, in a big church, in a big setting, it's hard to share our prayer points so openly. So in a smaller group, it's easier to share prayer points and pray, just pray for each other, be there uh, for each other and encourage. I've, I've been really blessed by that and I'm so grateful to God for, uh, for such opportunities within the cell group. Um, yeah, I've come to realize that, yes, yeah, cell group can make, small groups can make a big difference. And uh, I know it costs time and energy every week or every two weeks, but it has really helped me in my walk um, with God closer and making me a better disciple of Christ. I really thank, uh, yeah, that I've been given this opportunity to be part of cell groups for the last 15 years of my life. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you very much, uh, Divya. Uh, Divya's put a notice in the uh, weekly bulletin. And uh, if anybody wants to know about joining a group and would like to be in touch with, uh, with a group, you can contact her.
through that uh, link and uh, or, or have a chat to her today. We think, uh, if we think in ways the New Testament encourages us to relate to one another, it's clear that many of the ways that we're told to, to love one another is more easily achieved in a face-to-face -face group rather than in the big congregation. Uh, for example, St. Paul writes to the Roman Christians, be devoted to one another in bro brotherly love, accept one another. Well, the Lord God accepts us just as we are. We're forgiven, we're accepted, despite our obvious failings. And we should accept one another despite the things that separate us. That's much easier to do in a small group, isn't it? When you get to know people and, uh, and you need to learn to accept them. And uh, to the Ephesians, St. Paul writes, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. It's not just about feelings. It's about living out this, uh, this instruction, isn't it? Uh, about uh, caring for one another being compassionate, seeing the other person's need and being there for them. To the Galatians, St. Paul writes, carry one another's burdens. He's speaking of practical help to one another in hard times. And the writer to the Hebrews, he knew what was good to build up a church. He says, encourage one another daily. Let, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good works. Well, you can't do that in the big congregation. Uh, it's, it's even hard when you're the vicar <laughs> to do that. Words of praise and encouragement achieve so much more than words of criticism when we're dealing with other people. Just to be positive in our responses to people. In small groups, we can actively encourage and support one another in our walk with God. In face-to-face -face groups, we can help one another with the daily challenges of living a holy life in the face of temptation and doubt and failure, which comes to all of us different times. And we need face-to-face -face contact to live out this kind of fellowship and if we only meet in the context of the larger worship service, it's not easy to see how we can live this kind of brotherly love out. So our cell groups can be places uh, where those uh, who aren't yet committed Christians can also uh, explore the faith, clarify their thinking, and meet with the Lord Jesus. We've had the experience in the last year, in this year, of uh, alpha groups and people testing out their beliefs, relating to one another in that group, learning together. It's not our purpose as Christians to ram Christianity down people's throats. That's not what evangelism is. But we are called to play our part helping those who God is calling into his kingdom to hear and receive the good news of Jesus. Jesus met with the woman at the well. 
and he guided her to a true understanding of her place in the kingdom of heaven. On the way into Jericho, Jesus saw Zacchaeus's inquiring face looking down to him from the fig tree. And uh, he said, Zacchaeus, I'll come to your house and have tea with you. And at, he spoke words of blessing on that home and it brought joy to that home. There are a lot of people with genuine spiritual awareness but don't have any church background. They may find it easier to meet with God, to explore the Christian faith in a small group, because in that way they can, uh, they can test out their ideas without having uh, to adapt to a churchy culture in order to find out about the faith. It's one barrier less. And also in pastoral care. A church leader can only effectively relate to about 70 people. That's fairly well accepted. Small groups play an important part in the life of the church in caring for the spiritual needs of church members. There can be an easy way in for those who are interested in exploring the faith, but not yet sure or committed. Myself, I've benefited uh, from uh, a small group when I was at uh, learning to, studying to become a teacher. I, I joined a group of Christians and my faith firmed up during that time. And I, I moved from being somebody that was sympathetic to Christianity to being somebody who really wanted to give my life to Jesus. And so small groups uh, are, have this advantage. I've always tried to foster and encourage them whenever possible. And, and there's another advantage of the small groups that they can be flexible. You know, here we are, 10.30 on a Sunday morning meeting in church. Everyone together, and praise the Lord, we're here together. But for some people, that's not possible on, on Sunday morning at 10.30. But the, home, the small groups can meet on a morning or an afternoon or at lunchtime. They can meet in somebody's office or in somebody's lounge. They, they, they can be anywhere. Uh, we had... Uh, in, in our, the last church where I was the vicar, we had a lot of young families and uh, uh, the young, the parents wanted to join in home group together. But there was always a problem with childminding. Who was going to look after all those children? What they did was the men met one week, and the women met the next week. And uh, on the third week, they had a social together. So they only had to find child minors for one, one week in the month. So, so it was, uh, th th that's, that's, I'm not recommending that pattern. It's just an ex illustration of uh, how flexible groups can be. So each group is different and they grow and uh, flourish in unique ways which fit the members' needs. And the chief dynamic in home groups is to learn together in an atmosphere of openness, of love, of caring, 
and mutual help. In a cell group, members can feel safe enough to express their doubts and fears and to learn together how to walk in the Christian life every day. So in a cell group, we find encouragement and challenge. We find the opportunity to pray and to be prayed for. And every group, although every group needs a leader, uh, leaders in a cell group don't have to be trained teachers. There are resources and training which groups can benefit from. The aim of the cell group is to learn together under the guidance of God's Holy Spirit. So a cell group has a shared responsibility. It has a shared ambition to learn in depth from scripture in the context of fellowship and grounded in everyday life of the members. It's the pattern that Jesus himself used with the 12. And uh, when we are free to express our faith and empowered as the people of God, we can grow in a living experience of God the Holy Spirit. So let's bow our heads for a prayer. Living Lord, we thank you that your spirit is at work in our congregation, through our worship together in church, in our small groups, in our families, and through our individual lives and witness. We pray for your continued leading and your blessing upon us. Amen.